comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The Black Box presents The Carol Chronicles. You're listening to Carol Chronicles, episode 25, syndication from Sports Noise. Hey everybody, this is uh, your Black Box co-host John Carroll. Uh, what you're about to hear is a special syndicated version of the Carol Chronicles uh, from my main cast, the Sports Noise. Uh, I got a couple friends together and we've recorded a MMA year in review. I think you're going to deeply enjoy it. Uh, the guys with me are knowledgeable and fun. Uh, it's going to run a little bit over an hour. Uh, in fact, just a couple minutes over. So I hope you deeply enjoy. And as always, I want you to go to our sponsors, uh, Action Lab Entertainment, uh, The Danger Zone, because, well, this is an explicit pl- podcast, so we have to be sponsored by the explicit tag. Uh, and if you want to follow me on my co-hosts of the Sports Noise Podcast on Twitter, they are at J-O-N underscore C-A-R-R-O-L-L. We're also can follow Steve Steffens at Left Wing Cracker. Glenn is at Glenn R ten thirty one. We've also got the podcast on Facebook at Sports Noise Podcast. Uh, we're also on iTunes under the same thing, Sports Noise Podcast. The website is deliberatenoise.com/sports. That's going to be it. Uh, you're going to hear the recording in just a moment. So I hope you enjoy and have fun, guys. Bye. You are listening to Sports Noise, episode 37, the MMA Year in Review 2012 edition. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, as always, John Carroll. I just got through recording a MMA Year in Review with a couple of local good friends of mine, David Holt and Rick Maynard. Uh, Unfortunately, our usual MMA correspondent, Jason Palmer, could not join us, uh, which he could have, but unfortunately he was occupado today with work, and because I recorded on Friday, I was able to do it. Um, so kick back and enjoy, and as always, let me give you the Twitter handles for everybody so you can follow us there. You can follow me, as always, at J-O-N underscore C-A-R-R-O-L-L. You can follow Sports Noise Podcast at Sports Noise Pod at Gmail, I'm sorry, Sports Noise Pod on good old Twitter. The David Holt is not on Twitter, unfortunately, so you can't follow him there, even though I know you really wish you could. Uh, who else is on there? Jason is Jason E.D. Palmer. Um, and Rick is Rick underscore Maynard. So... You can always find us there. Uh, as always, we're also on Facebook, Sports Noise Podcast. We are on iTunes, Sports Noise Podcast. So kick back, enjoy, and listen to us ramble on about the MMA Year in Review for the next hour. Have fun. Uh, we're going to be doing an MMA Year in Review now. Uh, we've got a couple of local guys who know a bit more about it than I do. Uh, first, we've got Mr. Fighter and trainer, I guess. You can talk. Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm here. That's what the mics are here for. And right. also, 
a guy who works out with him and is a fairly knowledgeable um, guy. But not more knowledgeable than John Carroll, though. <laughs> not much yeah. more knowledgeable than I am. <laughs> in his own yeah. mind. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're we are yeah, we are legends in our own mind. Yes. We're big in Europe too. <laughs> and Japan. And Japan. Everything's uh, bigger in Japan. Yes. Uh, it's actually ironic that we're recording this today, the day before the final strike force card, because a lot of those guys are gonna be jumping over to uh, hopefully jumping over to the UFC. Uh, and also don't forget who you saw who got licensed today. That was today Overing class. Overing got yes. got yay, and of course a couple other guys got gigged. Uh, so we're looking at how many weeks until he fails his first drug test again. It's the horse meat, man. It's not his fault that the <laughs> horse takes steroids. It's <laughs> well, he's supposed to be fighting Bigfoot on the February second card, so which will be the only decent card until you have Chael versus uh, good old John. No, actually, the end of February has a pretty good card, too. Um, you've got Ronda Rousey with a UFC debut. And, My future uh, ex-wife. Exactly. And then Dan Henderson fighting um, Leola Machida, which I'm pretty excited for. Leola? Uh, come on. Dan's old. His <laughs> part is going to break down before the fight. No, I'm a pride fanboy at heart. I'm is still he going to test positive for, uh, for, for Jared's Hall? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which, have you seen the, uh, what's his, uh, who is, uh, Chuck's pitch is now pitching something to... Kind of like, like an ultimate gym, that kind of thing. Oh, really? I was, no. <laughs> was saying, I was like, oh, God, it's a, it's a push-ups thing, dude. He's pushing, oh, God. <laughs> Sometimes I'm really glad I don't watch much TV. Exactly. In the footsteps of good old uh, Randy Couture's ultimate gym. Yeah, uh, Paul Horace got gig for drug tests. Yeah, yeah, you had to see that coming. Dude has biceps on his biceps. So did Alistair. Well, and, and we, we all saw that coming. Yeah, there, 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 there might be a pattern here. <laughs> if we look really closely, we'll spot it, huh? Yeah. And speaking of good old Alistair, I mean, he, his testing positive was of what would have been a damn good fight against uh, earlier in the year. Yeah, but I mean, it's still coming after he, because poor Bigfoot, you know, no one sees him with a chance. And whether it's, whether they put uh, over him against Dos Santos or Kane next, it's going to be a war. Yeah. It'll be... Fun. Yeah, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of actually hoping that they give him Dos Santos instead of giving him the title shot, though, because uh, I think King will take him down and kick his ass, but uh, Dos Santos, uh, somebody's going to get brain damaged in that fight. Yeah, and of course we also completely forgot about the uh, UFC 158, St. Pierre and Diaz. Uh, yeah, I want that to my job where I get uh, suspended for pot and uh, don't show up to do my job and then I get a title shot. A, yeah, how does that work? Yeah, that would be a nice deal day to day. Didn't they, but they ripped, stripped him of one of them, didn't they? Uh, Wasn't he supposed to fight, uh, didn't he get to fight Condit too? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. he did, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not here to talk about the future, we're here to talk about the past. <laughs> <laughs> and the year started with the beautiful Aldo Mendes fight and went off from there. What were some fights that you saw from early on in the year and things you saw that were interesting? I, I, I was really impressed by Bendo versus Edgar. Uh, Benson Henderson uh, impresses me a little bit more every time I see him fight. I normally don't like the lightweights because those guys pound the stuffing out of each other all day long and never really end up with much more than a bruise because none of them have any strength. But uh, Benson Henderson, every time I see him fight, it's like poetry in motion. Every, not a movement is wasted. Everything is graceful looking. He beats the crap out of guys and makes it look easy. 
Yeah, and you know, that I think Ben Henderson's pretty much the, uh, my pick for the fighter of the year. Yeah, but not, not only against Edgar, but um, taking out Diaz like that, just dominating him for the whole fight with for some weird reason a toothpick in his mouth was just a weird thing to watch. <laughs> and I mean, in seeing Diaz try to submit him, why um, Ben Henderson's doing the splits and still punching? I mean, Henderson's uh, dude's magical. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, what were some interesting trends you saw this year with fighters going on. Well, the trend that you really can't miss this season, this has been the, uh, this year has been the year of injuries. Yeah. Um, I had an article the other day that there were over a hundred fights, UFC fights this year canceled because of injuries. So that's, um, hopefully something's been broken now, but that was just rather insane. I think part of that though has to do with the UFC's expansion. It's like pretty much doubled their number of events and, so, so not only is it going to happen, but when it does happen, you don't have anyone left out there to take its place. So I don't know what they're going to do about that. But I think the UFC might have overexpanded because I don't know that they've got you know how many cards are they putting on now year, per year twelve to fifteen. I think it was more than that. Uh, uh, I'm just counting up off the top of my head while we're talking. It's looking like it was oh, if you're including the Fox fights, which you would, the FX fights and the Fuel fights. Over thirty. Yeah, that, that oh, sounds yeah. that sounds close to right. I, I guess I was just thinking about pay per views. Well, yeah. you know, on pay per views, they're averaging about We're probably fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just I I think they're spreading themselves too thin. I don't think they've got thirty cards a year worth of interesting fights. I definitely see that argument, but one thing I think they're doing: Bellator's after moving from it to MTV two, now they're moving to Spike, and so they're going to get more, and they're going to have a reality TV show too. So they're getting more and more exposure. But I know I'm probably not the only one that's them too. I used to catch every Bellator card, but with the UFC doubling their events, and then on top of that, doubling the fights the air per event because now they air the prelims too, which they didn't used to. Mm-hmm. Even though even though it's making them have weaker cards, I could see a lot of people just not having the pure time to watch a competitor now with the what, with the way the expansion has worked. Yeah, and also the money is a huge thing. I mean, you're talking 15 paper fights at an average of what it, uh, if you're getting a high def version, which most people are. Mm-hmm. situation with John Jones. Yeah. He's pulling out. Jones, Henderson, Jones, uh, Bill. Well, yeah, yeah, Dana's still pretty butthurt over that. And so, uh, he, he gave an interview just a few, just sometime in the last couple of days where he's still calling Jones a diva. Yeah, well, he's uh, taking down Dan Henderson over that, too, because uh, Dan yeah. Henderson pulled out of that fight, and uh, because of that, not, not only did he lose the title fight then, but he's not getting it now, and he's having to go through Machida. Um, to get another title shot while Jones fights um, Chell Sonnen, who's coming off a loss at another weight class. A lower, I, I, weight, class. A lower weight class at that. I, I, I know you're a Henderson fan, but I kind of lay the, the cancellation on 151 more on his shoulders than Jones's because Henderson knew for weeks going in that he had this injury. And uh, 
you know, rather than disclosing it early, he just kind of kept thinking, well, maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go away and I'll heal in time and we'll be in the land of magical flying ponies and everything. Oh, I, I definitely uh, see more of the cancellation being on him than Jones. I'm not one of the people who talks trash about Jones not fighting on short notice. Yeah. But at the same time, the idea of giving Chell Sonnen... Now, Chell Sonnen, a short notice fight, yeah, I, I totally... Well, yeah, well, no, no, any, anyone who's going to take a fight on short notice, fine, you throw together whatever freak show you can, but giving him a title <laughs> shot after that is just... It's insane. Well, I, I, I tell you, I'm actually looking forward to that fight just because... Um, Sonnen is one of the few guys that's ever really been able to effectively get inside on Anderson Silva. Now, he didn't do it so well in the rematch. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no, he didn't. Uh, the, the, the rematch, he, was, he fought pretty disgracefully. But in that first fight, he, he took Anderson Silva to the limit because he was able to get inside. Jones has not fought anybody yet who's been, been able to effectively get inside and close that distance. He's been able to fire those long-range missile strikes from the other side of the cage. Well, even in that second fight um, of Sonnen's with Silva, he was, he took him down the first round and held him down, partly because I think Silva didn't bother to get up. Yeah. But the, in, even the second round, he wasn't doing that awful until, for some bizarre reason, he decides, let's throw spinning shit now. That's, that, that's, that's what wrestlers do, right? <laughs> Beats the fuck out of me. The other interesting thing about it is that, yes, Jones is vulnerable probably to somebody who can get inside of him, but how many guys that can see what we can get inside on him historically? Uh, Randy, Chuck, that's about it that have power from the inside. Yeah. That short, and maybe Dan from short range power. I, mean, I, I really think that Jones is probably going to be the champion until another genetic freak with like 15 foot arm span is going to come along, just simply because I. Uh, you know, I, I suspect that what would happen if if we actually found somebody that was built on the same dimensions as John Bones is that he has he, he's a little bit sloppier than he should be just because he doesn't have to meet up his technique. If he was in against somebody with a similar dimension, I suspect we'd find out that John Bones has been leading with his chin the whole time. I, I think the uh, Bones uh, era is not going to last, you know, indefinitely. But not because of any mutant fighter coming in. I think eventually his body's just not going to be able to cut the weight. He is a massive light heavyweight, and you know, cutting that kind of weight at 22 is one thing. But once you start pushing 30, it's way harder. I, I think eventually he just gives, and he's all even spoken of it. I think eventually he just gives up his title and moves up a weight class, which is something that's going to be incredible to see. The idea of Dos Santos or Kane versus Jones is. Pretty amazing. Now, one fighter to look out for, though, that might take have a shot at uh, Jones in the shorter term is Daniel Cormier, mm-hmm. coming in from Strike Force. And he, he's a heavyweight, but if you look at him, he's a chubby heavyweight. He could pretty easily cut down. And uh, he, he's a strong wrestler. He's fast. He's got good striking. And uh, he, he, he he's an Olympic-caliber wrestler. He was captain of the, I think, um, the, whichever Olympics the Chinese one was. He was the captain oh, of the wrestling team. Oh, wait. He was the captain of the wrestling team for that. And so I think he has the ability to get inside Jones and take him down. And for all, we have no idea what Jones looks like on the off his back. No idea. Yeah, hey, there's no one's ever taken him there. Uh, I mean, a good baseball comparison for guys who are listening to this who are not big MMA fans. Dontrell Willis of the uh, Florida Marlins. He had this weird delivery where he corkscrewed himself around. He got a little older. All when he got around 25, natural body thickening. He couldn't do that same delivery. So he lost all of his control. And so there's a good comparison. Somebody like Bones Jones, it's going to be harder for him to cut down to 205. He's going to have to naturally go to a heavyweight. There's a guy that I also, want. And also, will he want to keep, to cut down considering that it's going to take a minute? There's a guy I was watching earlier today in preparation for this discussion. Uh, 
And it, I really, I may be stepping all over my uh, fighters to watch in the future conversation by pointing this guy out. He's a British fighter, uh, relatively new to the sport, named Michael Page. He's 3-0 and right now. He just signed a Bellator deal that has yet to make his debut with him. Uh, all of his professional fights have ended with very early knockouts. Uh, and he actually is going to be one of those John Bones Jones genetic freaks. This is a six foot three welterweight. And so we're talking about a, a possible future opponent for GSP here. Uh, but he's built more on John Bones dimensions. And he's got a very unique fighting style. He does not do a traditional fighting stance. He keeps his arms at his side. He's got to have no power. Jesus. You would be wrong. <laughs> low power for a 165, for a guy who's fighting 165. Uh, one, one, one of the fights that I saw him in, he actually was winning a uh, UC Ultimate Challenge MMA uh, title. And he took knocked out the champion like he was a stack of bricks. Yeah, but sometimes fights like that are, you know, you can dominate in the neighborhood at basketball is one thing, but you get in there against uh, Kobe oh, I, Bryant, not, it's a totally different situation. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I necessarily think he would beat GSP. I think he could certainly beat a lot of the guys that GSP has been beating oh, since yeah. he's been champion. I'll say five years from now, GSP will be retired. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. This guy's 25, uh, and, and he, he actually... Fights with a little bit of showmanship. Like I say, he keeps his hands at his side, and when he kind of starts feeling confident, you know, he'll start teasing guys like Anderson Silva does. He actually starts winding his arm up like he's Apollo Creed. <laughs> See, I think the guy that's eventually going to take down Jones is not going to be a genetic freak. I think it's actually going to be a guy that's a little smaller who has got a lot of that short range power to get inside of him and just tee off on his kidneys and tee off on his chin and gut because. If you notice, a lot of guys go for the headshots, but if you start hitting the the shit out of somebody's gut and kidneys, they're going to fold. Yeah, and that's... Or do like what uh, your, boy, your boy would be a mutant. I'm sorry, not the mutant. Uh, everybody's favorite fighter, Forrest Griffin. All he was like, let kick, let kick, uh, let kick. Rampage, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, that's exactly where Daniel Cormier comes in. He's yeah. fighting heavyweight now, but the man is short for a heavyweight. I don't remember, I don't have in front of me, but it's like 5'10", 5 5'11", 5 something like that. That's exactly the kind of build that can get down there under John Jones. And that kind of short build is perfect for a wrestler. They're difficult to take down, and it's easy for them to get up under your legs. And Jones' legs, long legs, are easy to take down. Yeah, I mean, and everybody's talked about how he historically has had great wrestling and great of all this. That, that That's probably true. That is, I'm not going to argue that that's true, but here's the thing. When is the last time that he's done it outside of training? Right. Well, in Jones wrestling, I mean, it, it, in many of his UFC fights, you see some great throws. They're wrestling throws, but, you know, in more of a judo style, but they're, they're definitely wrestling throws. But that kind of thing works one way when you're a giant light heavyweight throwing around small light heavyweights. But, you know, you tie up with Cain Velasquez, you tie up with Overeem, and then you try to throw them like that, they're not going to move. So that, that's not going to work as well moving up weight class. He's normally likes the clinch, and I don't think that'll work for him. No, no, uh, it won't work at all. But... Let's move on to some of the categories we were talking about early, earlier. What who would you say would be the rookie of the year for you this year? Well, uh, any any all weight classes. 
Uh, as far as like young fighter really coming up, Rory McDonald. Um, he's he's not exactly a rookie, but I mean his age. I don't have in front of me, but he's like twenty three, twenty two, something like that. And dude is a beast. I mean, he handled BJ Penn. He's handled it, everyone I've seen. Um, it, he he's he's going to fight for a title soon. It's just a question of whether or not he'll he'll have to wait until GSP retires. But he's a freak of nature. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm not sure he's willing to take on his teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I actually was going to make the same one, uh, same recommendation as you. Rory McDonald has been just just super impressive every time I've seen him, and he uh, dismantled. BJ Penn to the point where you, you kind of looked at Penn wondering why he would bother coming back. You know, he made BJ Penn look like he didn't train for the fight. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, his debut when he was, I think he was 20 or 21, just, I think he was 20, and he was fighting, uh, if I remember right, Carlos Condit, who, you know, just fought GSP for a title, amazing fighter, and he was winning that fight until literally like the last 20, 30 seconds when he got caught. And if he can do that at 20 in his UFC debut, and, you know, you know with Octagon Jitter, so many people fall down the UFC debut, what he's going to do at 25 with experience is, it, it's amazing to think. And I, I think that's actually a fight we're probably going to see again. I know he wants the rematch with Condit. Yeah, he's listed as being 23, and the uh, rematch with Condit is listed as being on UFC 158. That's something I'm excited for. But, I mean, after he beats Condit, I don't know what you do with him until... Without the title, I mean, there's, there's a local, I mean, you'll have, you'll definitely have the local fans on the yeah. side because he's from Montreal and the fights in Montreal. <laughs> that could be the kind of thing that you know, if the super fight ever happens with GSP, you know, GSP is not going to drop back down and and it can move to McDonald. Uh, what would be kind of a you've already mentioned BJ here, but there's a boarded comeback. What's a fighter that you disappointed? Just a fighter that just you saw they went out there and it's hard to really call you know Rampage's most recent performance as a disappointment because I wasn't really expecting. It. <laughs> um, I guess you could say Rashad was something of a disappointment against Bones, although I, I still think he fought as well as he could. I, I you know I it, it's it's hard to call somebody a disappointment because you know, I think usually uh, you know the three of us watch the. The, the sport well enough that we know who not to expect anything out of. Now, one person that, I mean, was a, a huge letdown, and it's understandable why it happened, but Junior Santos in his last fight, I mean, yeah. to, to be such a, to, you know, he was champion, he's dominating every fight he ever fought, he dominated Cain Velasquez with a first-round knockout before, and which just to... It, which pissed off Fox because it was so quick, and it was kind of strong, and it, was, it wasn't upset. It was an upset. Yeah, well, it was an upset for some. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty evenly picked fight. I mean, most people were going pretty fifty-fifty the first time. Yeah, I think it was listed as a. He was uh, plus. He was minus one twenty going into that fight. So yeah. he was actually he was a, he was a slight underdog going into the first fight and into this last one. He was a. Uh, uh, he was yeah. a slight favorite as well as the other ones. Yeah, but for him to be dominated by five rounds, I mean, I haven't seen very many title fights that where the champion was dominated that much. I think part of it was he got caught in the first, uh, I think it was towards the end of the first round, and he took him a couple rounds to wake back up, but still, you just don't see that much. I think it's just pretty awesome because two behemoths went five rounds. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when we, when we watched the, uh, 
that night of heavyweights over here that one night. I, I don't think the the, the uh, combined matches added up to twenty five minutes. Well, <laughs> one thing you've you heard just a few years ago with the rise of the Brock Lesnar's and the Overeems and the Shane Carwins was you know this is the age of the massive heavyweight that everyone's going to be weighing three hundred pounds and cutting down to two sixty five, and you know those people don't last a round or two before Shane Carwin suddenly looks like he's turning purple, right. and it's which we saw again with the Lesnar Carwin fight. Yeah, Carl would just beat that we're living holy hell out of Lesnar, but then he gasped and he got caught in one of the slowest triangle chokes I think we've ever seen. Exactly. I mean, when Brock Lesnar's doing jujitsu on you, you know there's something <laughs> wrong. But. Anyways, I, th- I think uh, that, that era of the Giants sort of ended pretty quickly. There's sort of a, a natural limit to human size before you get too tired to move. And I think, you know, Dos Santos, Cain Velasquez, that, 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 you know, 245, 240 size is probably going to continue to be the fairly dominant just just because of speed. I mean, you'll, you'll have the occasional Overeem or Lesnar prop pop up. But, I mean, do you see Lesnar going five rounds at the speed of Velasquez? Not Lesnar. Overeem going five rounds at the speed of Velasquez? I just don't see it. No, I mean, if you think about it, before that little... Lesnar Carlin was, you had seen a mixture of the big, giant, ugly freaks, mm-hmm. Silva, and the lower-ranked guys like the Couture. Exactly, yeah. You had Tim Sylvia, who may be giant, but you're big and lumbering, and there's not much speed there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also, I mean, he was also the biggest uh, fighter in the world at the time. Of this is going on. Your boy? Yeah, Fedor. Fedor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Fedor was, what, a pudgy 250? Exactly. I, I'm not sure he ever, he didn't weigh quite that much. He often fought 235, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one reason I think you and I both said they need to make a, need to move light heavyweight down a little bit and make a cruiser weight or make mm-hmm. it super heavyweight. They yeah. did have to break up the heavyweight division in some capacity. I mean, uh, 206 to, what, 265. And that, that, that fifty-nine pound range—that's yeah. that, that's that, that's too big. The problem with that's always been just the lack of talent at the higher levels, the the higher weights. That you know, if you if you weigh three hundred pounds, you're probably going to go to the NFL if you're that athletic. And but that's becoming less of a problem in recent years. But they couldn't have done that in the past because there just wouldn't have been enough you know enough fights in the you know, heavyweight division. But that's actually about to change coming in, especially with the the ending of strike force. Some of the best fights fighters being added to the. Um, to the UFC roster are some of the heavyweights. I mean, no, just we have Daniel Cormier, we have Josh Barnett, hopefully they'll add to the UFC. Um, Bigfoot Silva's going to be a pretty solid um, mid-range heavyweight fighter. There's quite a few coming in. Overeem, obviously. Fat Fabricio Verdun. Say Bigfoot Silva's hair a long ways more than GSP. Exactly. <laughs> that is a massive... I'm sorry, I have a massive head. That's a massive head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can tell he's a, yeah. Is he in relation to the to uh, the other Silvas? No, I don't. Not, not, I think that's kind of like the name Jones in America. Everyone's yeah, named Silva. Yeah. Uh, well, no, friend of mine verified it. He looks like a lost Mugura bro. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but you know, even the men. You know, we're excited about Overeem fighting. You know, we'll probably fight for a title and stuff. And Cormier might if Velasquez ever loses it. They they won't fight each other. They train together. But even the mid range. I mean. A Barnett versus a Frank Mir fight is a really good fight. A Roy Nelson versus Bigfoot Silva. There's a lot of mid-range heavyweight fights coming in from Strike Force that can fight UFC fighters that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, I mean that one, the UFC 156. Uh, it's Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar. You are. I mean, I know you hate that. Fight. I know you hate that. Weird. Yeah. But the rest of that card is Rashard versus Antonio Little Nog. Uh, Super Steroids versus Antonio Silva, John Fitch, Damian Maya, that will be annoying, but at least the uh, cat calling will be good. Um, Joseph Benitez. Benitez. 
whatever, uh, versus McCall with a actually a decent undercard, with a decent preliminary. Yeah, it's a decent, it's a good undercard. Jacob Boltman's not bad. At least he's a quasi name. Well, and, and then some of those, like, uh, you, you just were talking trash about John Fitch, Damian Maya, but both of those two have been on tail lately. I mean, John Fitch's fight against Eric Silva, that was a John Fitch we'd never seen before. He was an absolute beast tearing into Silva, and Silva's, you know, people thought he was a big up-and-comer, but uh, it was a new John Fitch we saw. And Damian Maya, last two fights, first-round stoppages, since he's dropped down from 185 to 170, he's looked good. He never cut much weight before. I think 170 is the natural weight class for him. Yeah, uh, one thing I think that will really help UFC is that they come out with their next round of video games because the only problem with that is THQ has folded and they do, they've done pretty much a lot of those games along with Electronic Arts, I think, with the uh, Strike Force game. But if they can get that, because that's a way to get people to know the fighters yeah. and put out regular downloadable character updates because I mean, that's, one, that's one way to really get the younger male audience yeah. fans into it because they can play it and then they'll see these new fighters and they'll build up and they'll get that natural love of it. I mean, that's one reason. That's how I know we have a lot of fighters from the mm-hmm. first UFC game. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned that card right there, you've got the fighter with the nickname of the year, Ian McCall, Uncle Creepy. The <laughs> and, and he's got the uh, the mullet-looking hair and the mustache. He, he, he's the best pedophile fighter out there. It's pretty awesome. Oh, I gotta look at this fighter. You know what? I might even make this. He's one. actually a pretty solid fighter. I think I end up making it. Let me just follow the. Uh... Oh, hey, that is a killer. I like that stash. He's just yeah. got a little bit. He's got the uh, curls. Oh. Uncle Creepy. His website is uncleCreepyMMA.com. <laughs> and he's got the uh, he, he has a slightly whiplash mm-hmm. that is not a mustache that is a molestache I don't want him to triangle choke me is what I'm saying right yeah <laughs> but no he's, he's fun to watch and he really should have beat um, Demetrius Johnson in their first fight um, the one that they had to redo because the judge can't count and um, but uh, he started showboating at the end instead of finishing it when he should have He's currently the number two ranked uh, flyweight, so that fight that he's doing is probably going to be the uh, yeah. move up. Well, there's just not many people at that weight class, so it's, you know. 125, yeah, there's probably very little of that. Aside from the new women's division, that's going to be the one that's hardest to find opponents for. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, the, the women will probably hit harder than the flyweights. <laughs> they may at that. I, I, I would much rather... Uh, Fight one of these guys and Ronda Rousey. Well, well, I'm 240, yeah. but Cyborg hits harder than I do, so some of those women can hit. <laughs> hey, for, you know, let, let's let's also congratulate Ariane Celeste for going up one and zero in exactly. her fight record. Uh, first round police stoppage. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned Rousey, and she was on the ESPN Body, and it's really funny because. I didn't even realize she was an MMA fighter because she, when she was doing the go, the uh, tour, what they call the ESPN car wash, when they just did all of the TV, all of the radio, all of the podcasts that are anywhere related to you. And I was like, she's kind of hot. Who is she? Right. And I, yeah. was, I was like, okay, she's in the body issue. Oh, okay. Well, just staring at her, I was like, yeah. And I think that's the one thing that Cyborg didn't have is that 
she cyborgs a great fighter, but she's not that pretty. Oh yeah, and, and you had that with um, Gina Carano, who you know, who was a decent fighter, but you know, not the level you know to carry over. Uh, most of her the excitement over her was over her looks, and then she ran into cyborg, and the train like, train quickly derailed. Uh, and that's one of the problems you have with the women's division of the MMA is that they only have a couple of fighters. Yeah, and so you're going to have a problem if something happens and Rousey loses in the next year, it may completely destroy um, women's MMA in the UFC. However, if she can keep it on, and there's some good fights there, combining her, the situation with her, and there's some good fights coming down for her. There's, you know, this Kermuch fight will probably be a, you know, it's probably going to be a quick stoppage, but, you know, the kind of thing that gives her a highlight reel. But most people didn't see her fight Misha Tate before, and Misha Tate can talk of a fight. There's Sarah McMahon coming down the um, pike, who's a, a silver medalist in wrestling to match uh, Rousey's uh, bronze medal in judo. That's going to be a matchup I'd like to see. There's the possibility of Cyborg Santos dropping down, which would be an a incredible fight. And even like um, former champion Marlos Conan. Kunin, however you say her name, um, that's going to be a pretty good fight. And if Rousey does pretty well in that, and you've got an Vitica Fighting Championship, the new all-women's pay-per-view league that will probably kind of feed fighters into the UFC now, then this it, it's a real interesting time for women's MMA. It could really take off, or if Rousey you know, loses in spectacular fashion, could crash and burn. They could go either way right now. I will point out she's that she uh, is the number one ranked fighter of thirty five, so she actually weighs more than Uncle Creed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she'd take his arm off. Yeah, considering she's won all three of her matches so far by armbore. Uh, all six actually. All six. They just listed three on her own. No, that was her amateur. She's got six yeah. pro and three amateur. You see, I mean that that's that's kind of the problem I have with all these these flyweight and super lightweight fighters. It's that ultimately their punches have less impact than these women fighters that we're about to start seeing. Well, a mixture is nice, is what I'm thinking, because you, you know. Yeah, you, and a mixture is a, a good thing, but, you know, the, the thing is, your main event of the night should be something with, that brings a little bit of thunder. Or, you know, just match it up so that if the main event's, you know, two little guys who will probably have a very skilled fight that goes a very exciting five rounds. No, it won't be an exciting five rounds. That's probably an exciting first to the half. No, I mean, uh, if you watch like a Demetrius Johnson or a Joseph Benavidez or Uncle Creepy, they're exciting fights. They're not, but, you know, I wouldn't want to watch five of those in a row. But, you know, to follow that up, you know, you've got someone, you know, like, um, what's his name? Super Samoan. Um, I can't even think of his name. Um, you know, when you got two giant heavyweights uh, going at each other that aren't necessarily the most talented always. Right. But... You follow it up by a talented fight. You know, it goes back and forth. So you got the first round concussion followed by, you know, five active rounds. And here's the problem that you've really got is that with all these pay-per-views, I mean, let's put, okay, you've got 16 paper, 15 pay-per-views. You've got four Fox fights, four to five Fox fights. That's 20 fights you've got to pretty much want to have a champion on. A couple of those are going to have dual champions on. So you're restricted on what you get, what you're going to have. So you're going to have to roll out the bantam weight. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to roll out the fly weight and the uh, whatever the other one. You cannot remember it because I know they want the feather. We'll just call it far away. Bantam the 145 guys. Bantam the, 140, bantam, the 145, 135, and 125 guys are going to have to be a championship on it because they bought WC and that's what they have to do. They're the champion. They've got to go on last because they're the champion. Yeah. Unless then, you have I, 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 unless not, you have something ungodly there with two non champion fighters, 
the champion's gonna go on last. I see no reason to make something like a, an Aldo versus Faber fight a, a main event ever. I mean, the, you know, they're 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 fast. Don't get me wrong, but when you hit each other. 200 times over the course of the night, and you still have not hit hard enough to make a bruise. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's some fighters you can definitely say that about, but like Aldo Aldo, Aldo versus Edgar's coming up. Um, Frankie Aldo, he may be 145, but dude dude has knockout power. I mean, I saw him knock out Cub Swanson, I think, six seconds with a flying knee. And Frankie Edgar coming in as a champion who took out BJ Penn like he did, who took out Gray Maynard like he did, um, coming up down from 155, that, that's a fight I'm pretty excited about. And I'm just going to call out 156 for this. Uh, yeah, Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar, featherweight for the title. That's the championship fight. Looking at the rest of the card, the only fight I could possibly see moving to the head of the card, Overing versus Antonio Silva. And that's and I'd even say make, get rid of Antonio. If you put Big Nog on there, who's a.k.a. I'm only going to fight in Brazil now, <laughs> that would be the only time I could see you could have something that would replace Jose and Frank. Yeah. But you have a situation here where the you know the the other fights on there have names that you know a lot of people may know more than oh, yeah, the there's... champions. But in, in that that's the way I do it. Especially you know sometimes people make jokes about the senior division where you know we were putting Couture before he retired or Vanderlei Silver someone on there or even Forrest Griffin and Tito Ortiz come come to mind. And th- that's the time where it's kind of a useful place to put them that you know there's a lot of people that are going to pay to see Vanderlei Silver fight. Even if he's on a nine-fight losing streak, and I'm probably one of those, to be honest. Yeah, because put him on, put him on the poster. It will. Yeah, exactly. Put him on the poster, then put on, you know, the uh, flyweight champion above it, and it's going to get eyes on the flyweight championship. And looking at the 157 poster, Henderson Machida is on the is the undercard, and so is Faber. Minjapov. Whatever. <laughs> but I mean, they do have Rousey and Carmouche being the featured fight on the bout. Yeah. I mean, because it's two women. I well, it's two women. And also, it's the main event. Well, it's it is the, it's a championship. Dana says the champion should always be the main event, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. But it makes sense from a marketing point of view in that case because I, the it, women's MMA is what they're trying to promote as the new in thing. Right, and, and, and the, the the women's fight will at least give us something we have not seen before. Uh, you know, two featherweights fighting it out with all the, the the punch and visceral impact of two hairdressers in a slap fight. We've seen that a few times before. You know? In fact, we, we get at least six or, six or so main events a year of it. Here's an interesting question for you. Has, he appro- has Dana approached Katie Baker about coming over from boxing? I, I don't honestly don't follow women boxing that well, so I don't know much about her. Yeah, Irish woman who won the gold medal at a. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I mean, she if she's got some natural charisma, she yeah. could especially help him sell it overseas. Yeah, that's not the kind of thing you can jump to immediately, though. You come, I mean, you you, you bring her over, you yeah. give her uh, some seed money, and say, "Here, look, you're going to go over extreme couture for the next." Well, and, and that's the kind of thing where you know you take a few fights <laughs> in Invitica, um, the new women's one, and then move over after you get a ground game. That could be interesting. Yeah, are they partnering with them, or are they? Just well. What happened to, at the very end of Strike Force? Because Invitica's only had two or three um, events now. Strike Force was partnering with Invitica, and so the women would fight with, um, with Invitica and then go over and fight Strike Force as needed. And there's sort of an expectation that the same will happen with the UFC since Zufa owns both now. Um, it's, I don't know that there's been anything official, but it's probably going to happen. It just financially makes sense. The UFC's not going to fill their card right now with tons of women, but you have to come up with. 
fighters to fight Rousey if she's going to be the star they want. And you're going to have to have those women who are going to fight Rousey, you're going to have to have some of them be on UFC cards. So you're going to have to build some people up. Yeah, you're going to also need another weight division. With women's MMA? It'll be a while before they You're have that. In in Invitica has all those. They all they go all the way down to I know they go down to one oh five, they may go down to ninety five. I would so. say a one twenty five and a one forty five. I think 125 and 115 is deeper. 145 was pretty much the uh, Cyborg Santos show. There's not really, there's not a lot of women at the larger. You know, 145 for women is larger. I mean, for for the athletes. Yeah, I'm just cracking up at the nature of it. Yeah. But the 115's got a lot of good fighters. I mean, I've seen some good 115 fights out there. Why don't we just go ahead and book uh, Cyborg against Frankie Edgar? (laughs) <laughs> I well, don't forget this fight against uh, Rousey was originally supposed to be Santos, but she wanted more money. Yeah. Well, partly that, and I, I think she really is going to take some time to cut down. She, she's a she's a pretty big woman and, and pretty muscular, and of course, see how big she is after she doesn't have the steroids. But it's, it'd be oh, hard okay. for. So you're you're casting aspersions <laughs> on the uh, steroids. She she was she was caught. Yeah, she, that's we, don't she, we don't know she's still taking them. Oh yeah. She took <laughs> well, Just because you took something doesn't mean you continue. I don't think it would make really good. Make- <laughs> well, has the mustache gone away? <laughs> I don't know. This promotion is fucking ruined. I don't think um, making Cyborg the fight now makes a lot of sense, anyways, because most yeah. people haven't seen Rousey fight. I've been excited about her since she started um, in MMA, but most people haven't seen her. So give her a few. You know, she's won six fights in the first round. Yeah, most some, of the, some tomato cans. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. You know, give her some highlight reels where people are like, "Wow, she just uh, armbarred her in thirty seconds." Yeah. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see the women's division. This is something we have not seen before. It's, it's, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So we know what we're looking forward to in the upcoming year and the changes that they've made. What, what did y'all say was your fight of the year this past year? My fight of the year would be actually one of the last ones. It was like December 30th or so, and very end of December. Um, the 29th of December. 29th, that one. is. Yeah, um, and Joe Lauzon versus Jim Miller. That fight was a war. Um, the, um, Jim Miller was, came at him to start. I mean, you've never, never seen him fight that hard, and he just cut him up with elbows. I mean, Lozon was a bloody mess. I mean, he was just dripping blood. It was crazy. But he didn't stop, and they, they were fighting the whole time. And even in the third round, Lozon, even though he was so covered in blood, was rolling for, like, these crazy flying, I can't remember if it was a heel hook or a knee bar or ankle lock, one of those, but it was just these crazy flying things and had them in guillotine when the bell um, bell rang. So, I mean, it was just a fight wall to wall. It's like these two got together beforehand and were like, dude, we're getting fight of the night. You understand me? And they just went at it. I love that fight. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be Gray Maynard. Yeah. Uh, this is a, that's a better fight than the Gray Maynard fight would have been. Gray's a good fighter, but he's not an exciting fighter. Yeah. Oh, God. And originally it was supposed to be Chael versus Forrest on this fight. <laughs> Uh, what would you say would have been your fight of the year? I am torn because I saw Bendo fight three times this year, and every one of them, I don't necessarily feel like they were the most competitive fights, but they were the most fun to watch. Vincent Henderson, uh, like I say, he, he makes this look easy. And when you watch Tiger Woods play play golf, and he sinks a 40-foot putt, he doesn't just hit it. 
he makes it look so easy that you're looking at the TV thing. Holy shit, I could do that too. See, you can like the lightweights. You were talking trash about them. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and like I say, and the, the, you know, the, there are exceptions to the rule, and and you know, I I would watch Benson Henderson fight a fight a soup can. And the magical thing about Ben Henderson, him and John Fitch both, the appear it appears to be impossible to submit them. Right. I've seen Henderson in some crazy submissions that he's just like, whatever, it's nothing. Just like John Fitch, I've seen him in some chokes that anybody else would tap tap to, but apparently he doesn't breathe oxygen. Right, apparently. Now, John mentioned um, Forrest Griffin a minute ago, and uh, that brings to mind, he asked earlier, who would be most disappointed in? That's true, and, yes. and Forrest Griffin, actually, I hadn't thought about it before, number one most disappointed. Not only is he apparently not particularly good anymore, but he just doesn't give a shit. You can tell he's just collecting a paycheck, and I don't know if he needs the money or what, but he doesn't want to be there, and you can tell it every minute he's in the ring. And as much as I have traditionally loved Forrest... Oh, I've always loved him, but... traditionally hated Tito Ortiz, uh, Tito got robbed against Forrest Griffin. And uh, there there was absolutely no excuse for the the judging that night. Um, Did he beat Franklin, too? What? Uh, Forrest, you mean? Yeah, yeah he did, yeah. but I mean, you know, he, he beat... I'm trying to remember the other Him and Mitch Franklin and Forrest Griffin are essentially the same fighter. Forrest is just 20 pounds bigger. So. Right, right. Um, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there, there was absolutely no way Forrest Griffin should have won that. I was sitting there thinking, holy shit, am I going to see Tito Ortiz win twice within 12 months? Yeah. Really? I, I, I can see you scoring it 2-1, to one, Tito. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's no way the decision should have gone that way. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've always loved Forrest Griffin. I follow him on Twitter, even though he's, you know, frankly incoherent most of the time. Have <laughs> you ever read his books? I actually have read them. Really? really? But they're fun. The first one is terrible. The first one is, is just stupid. The, the apocalypse. Ones are fun. I like the apocalypse one. <laughs> the apocalypse one's good. It's the previous one where he was talking, where he talks about his own but life story. I'm not sure how much of it he wrote and how much his uh, co-writer wrote. Well, his, his Twitter feed, you will read it and think, oh my God, how many times has this guy been hitting that? <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's just absolutely no way he deserved to win that one. Um, Tito no, Ortiz. No, he did. Yeah. Tito Ortiz should have pulled that one out by decision. And if uh, I'm pulling for Tito, then there's something wrong. Right, wrong. exactly. The world has shifted on its axis if I'm giving props to Tito Ortiz for anything. Um, you know, uh, frankly, I think his wife's takedowns are better than this. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Tito is married to porn star Jenna Jameson. Are they divorced? Are they? Who knows? I think they I don't know. They're always having Twitter wars. Yeah, I used to follow both of them on Twitter, and it was like the, the, the one of the most train wrecky things ever, and I finally said to unfollow them both. Because they, they'd be talking divorce one day, and then the next, oh, I love my honey. <laughs> Actually, uh, they never married. Really? Ah, I thought they did. Huh. No. Learn something every day. No. Hmm. Never got married. He was married before. Yeah. They did have kids, though, which, yeah. um, twins, yeah, which makes you think that... And, and they're, like, worse at naming them than Sarah Palin is. Yeah. I can't remember what it's like, Jet. Jesse Jameson and Journey Jet. Yeah, Journey Jet. Yeah. With those names and your mom was a porn star, you know you're going to need <laughs> the fighting... Yeah, but you know you're going to need your dad's fighting skills just to get through kindergarten. Somewhere out there, Sarah Palin is listening to our podcast and thinking, why didn't I think to name my kid Journey? Yes, <laughs> you could have named it Rat. Right. Instead of bettering. Yeah, looking at good old Forrest's last fight team. Shogun, 
And he just didn't give a shit and showed him fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and to, to be fair, his wife was in labor, so uh, I'm not sure how much of a shit I would have given either. You, you could tell even if she wasn't in a labor, he didn't give a shit. Yeah. He was going to, I think, I think he wants to retire, so. I think he just wants to collect a few more paychecks. Him and Tito pretty much had an agreement. We want to fight someone who won't hurt us, so they hurt right. each other. So. And one of the problems that he has is that he isn't updating his ass as much as Rich is, so he can't transition over to yeah. as much in the upper management of UFC and they don't really have a place for him to be to call fights because he's actually good at calling fights and action so he doesn't have much more to go unless he leaves UFC and if he leaves UFC he's not going to get a good paycheck yeah and there's only is a vindictive son of a bitch if you leave well, there's only so many people you can have, too, to transition into calling fights. I mean, Kenny Florian's doing a pretty good job of it. Frank Neary did a great job of the WEC, and there's only so many people they can have do it. Speaking of Dana being a vindictive son of a bitch, you were talking earlier about Josh Barnett coming back. Uh-huh. What are the odds of that, really? Uh, who knows? Um, they've they've been... I mean, some days it looks like it might, and some it doesn't. They've, they've been non-committal. I don't see how you don't bring Josh Barnett in. He's a top 10 heavyweight. He has exciting fights, and he hasn't talked shit about Dana White since he came back to Strike Force. Uh, since he came to Strike Force. So again, you, if you also look at it from Dana's perspective, it's like, am I, am I short of fighters? Well, but, I mean, well, that's what the thing he is, though. We've got, not only do we have more UFC events now, but we, they're expanding overseas. They're, they're having fights in China, they're having fights in Australia, having fights in Japan. I mean, Josh Barnett's big in Japan. Yeah. And, I mean... Exactly. But, I mean, you need fighters like that. And uh, he, he brings good fights. I mean, you're always having situations where you have an injury and you have need to fill someone in the last minute. And, you know, the heavyweights division's not the deepest thing in the world, and Barnett brings a name. And Stephen Struve is, what, the number five or six? And Stephen uh, I think he's closer to ten, but he's yeah, good. And he'd be murdered by Dos Santos, or... Oh, yeah, he definitely murdered by the top five, but Struve versus Barnett would be an interesting fight. I think Barnett would have it, but Struve would have a shot. Uh, I think there's some interesting fights there. You have a situation in the uh, heavyweight division where you have, like, four guys who are who could beat everyone, and then you have the next level. So, you know, maybe Overeem, Cormier, Velasquez, and Dos Santos, and then nobody else is in that level. It's not a funny joke. I'd love to see uh, Stefan Struve versus Tim Silver, because if he, if he, gets, if he passes it and it gets knocked out, Stefan Struve is dead, because Tim Silver will be good. Why don't we just go ahead and create a time machine and have uh, Stefan Struve versus Johnny Gonzalez? Oh, <laughs> the two big lumbering gangly guys. Yeah, that's the thing. Giant Gonzalez probably would go to the MMA if he had come around ten years later. Right, a so lot of guys terrible, would. Yeah, yeah. Terrible basketball, terrible uh, wrestling. You know, Struve actually had a pretty good year. I think he's on something like a four or five win streak. Oh yes, yeah. he's young. Yeah, and he's just well. He's it's the weird thing. He's young, but he's he's like I don't know twenty three, but he's had nearly thirty fights. Yeah. I think it's himself as uh, King Hippo in reality. Yeah. Okay, we, uh, but now we've talked about fights you love. We've talked about things you're looking forward to. Everything. What was? would you say would, would have been the fighter of the year? I mean, other than Henderson. Hmm. Other, other than Vincent Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... I don't want to overhype just what happened in the very end of the year because he lost his previous fight. But I mean, no, not his previous two before that. But Cain Velasquez, what he did to Bigfoot Silva, and then what he did to Junior Santos, who is a beast himself. I mean, that's a good year. I mean, Cain Velasquez, and everything you hear from people who train with him is that dude gets there 
early, he leaves late, and he will just beat the shit out of you. There was a story, I don't remember what the name was, but I was reading the other day, where someone was talking about that he took, this one fighter took um, Velasquez down, which uh, related, which um, ended in an hour-long beatdown after that, <laughs> because uh, Velasquez is competitive, and but he had a great year, and he, he could rule over the heavyweight division for a while. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love Dos Santos, but looking at that last fight, it's going to be hard to, I mean, you can't teach that level of takedown defense. I mean, Dos Santos has great takedown defense, but he couldn't strike because he was so concentrated on staying on his feet. Well, he's been a long time down, but I, I, I'd say just by virtue of having come back, it's GSP. Yeah. Um, you know, I, no, I don't think any... Carlos Condon is a great fighter, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But GSP is so far above everybody else in his class that I don't think there's anybody in the world... I, I don't even think Condon's own family would have been on it. Yeah. One of the big winners of this year would be a lot of the strike force fighters um, too. Gilbert Melendez comes to mind. He's been his, he, he's definitely a top five uh, lightweight fighter. I think he would I think he would give Ben Henderson a good fight, but he's been stuck in strike force just fighting uh, Josh Thompson over and over again for so long that uh, this might uh, so he's he's liking this year the way it's coming down to an end. Fighters, we've done matches, we've done fights. Is there anything else about this past year in MMA that's really you got anything you want to talk about? Well, I, I, I think that uh, you know the UFC 151 debacle, uh, you know, it really uh, it kind of shows you know some of the weaknesses within UFC itself uh, in, in terms of uh, the the the, the and don't get me wrong, like I said earlier, Henderson kind of didn't give him enough advance notice. But when you when when your card is so shallow that it's easier to just scrap uh, the entire event than move another fight up into the main event, then I, I'd say that means that you're weak and you know it. And another um, thing, stay on the negative track, was the judging. I mean, people always talk crap about the judging. I don't even remember which it was about. It was one of the last few of the year, and there were literally two fights where everyone watching called those split. It was a split decision, and everyone called it the other way. And just some some of these judges, you don't even. It's like you don't realize what are you, what are you watching. Well, and you had the case in Australia um, when you had uh, Uncle Creepy fight Demetrius Johnson. Where it was supposed to go, it was a tournament fight, so it was supposed to go in the fourth round if it was tied. The judge literally misadded rounds. Now, these are 10 9 rounds, 10 8 rounds. There's three of them. He misadded and screwed up the fight. I mean, it's just mind blowing. We're here talking about the uh, Vincent Henderson fight. They fought his last fight against Frankie Yeager. Split decision 48 47, 48 47. 46-49. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about with the judges. I mean, somebody's not watching the same fight. Yeah, I I, I was thinking earlier today that, that it looks kind of like uh, the old the old running joke about the Olympics, the, the East German judge yeah. gives you a three, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the worst case of all time, of course, is the 88 finals of the uh, boxing where basically they gave it to the local South Korean fighter despite the fact that he was standing there covered in blood and bruises. Right, right. Against, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember the name. It's a great light heavyweight of all time. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, well, the, the problem is that ultimately most of the judges don't really have any kind of basis or training in MMA. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, they're, they're appointed by the, uh, the state athletic yep. commissions. And, you know, Jersey is basically appointing the same people to judge MMA that they appoint to judge a boxing Boxing match, match, where it's a lot more clear-cut. Yeah. Roy Jones, by the way, is somewhere I couldn't remember. Oh, yeah. That's the thing is, now we may be another 15 or so years away from that in uh, the judging that you do have a lot of people that are familiar with it because, yeah, one thing that we talked about is that they need... Also, you need to have the judge more free to give 10-8 rounds. Exactly, yes. And also, not just 10-8, but maybe 10-10 or 9-9 rounds, because you have some situations where there's not really a discernible difference, and the next round might be a beatdown, but because you had that split little bit that I have to pick somebody as the winner, they win the fight. Even, yeah, it's just... Um, yeah, 10-10 rounds really need to be mm-hmm. an option. But. Yeah. Well, John, you talked about the, the, the first uh, Benson Henderson versus Frankie Edgar fight. Now, uh, they gave it to Henderson because, you know, he actually did more damage. Mm-hmm. You know, Frankie was moving more, but Benson Henderson actually was doing something that made an impact. Now, the same night that the judges gave it to Benson Henderson because he was actually doing more damage, uh, Jake Shields and Yoshihiro Akiyama fought. Now, uh, Akiyama was doing a lot more damage. Jake Shields was moving more. They completely did the opposite of what they did in Hendo versus Edgar and gave it to Jake Shields. And you have the same thing with different judges with wrestling. Some wrestling, some people, you take them down and lay on them for a round, then, you know, that's control and you win. Other you people... See, that's where Jenna Jameson comes in. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, other people don't give as much uh, emphasis to wrestling. And the thing is, it should be consistent. I mean, right. one way or the other. I should be able to know if someone took down the entire fight, they won the fight, Oh, it didn't affect the fight, but it's totally judge dependent. And submissions are like that. Some people, some people will not score a submission if it doesn't finish the fight, and that's crazy. You can have someone in a rear naked choke struggling to stay alive for four minutes, and they don't score it. I've seen it happen. It's I don't get it. We see when Frankie Edgar and Jake Shields are, are, are both have roughly the same performance and have completely opposite results. Exactly. One wins, one loses. That means the judges really just look like they're flipping a coin to decide yeah. who wins these fights. Just where they shields took on that fight. The first Yushin was took on Buddy Roberts. UFC one forty four. Oh, I was looking at one fifty. Sorry, it's all right. Uh, yeah, it's I because they were both on the same card. You see, Shields Shields had 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 a higher number of strikes. But, you know, they were, they was, he was hitting glancing blows. And Shields won all of the unanimous. Right. Akiyama's punches were actually making an impact. And, the, you know, Jake Shields exited that night a lot less pretty than he went into it. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that you and I were arguing about during the uh, Evans versus uh, Jones fight. Evans landed a lot of punches, but they were all glancing blows to the bicep and to the uh, right. shoulder. Right. So yes, he landed a ton of punches, but they did not. They weren't power punches and didn't have any effect. Right. Yeah. You did the not significant like, yeah, strikes. You just were watching it. If you were looking at it, you didn't know about fighting. You're like, oh, he's landing a lot of punches, but it was, they were glancing blows. I think you know why. I, I admit that I have a little bit of a bias against John Bones. Oh, I John Bones Jones. I Jones too. And, and, and I, frankly, yeah. I was trying to think of, of, of exactly why that is today. And the best <laughs> phrase I could come up with was sanctimonious prick. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I would agree. This is a, this is an asshole that has uh, Bible verses tattooed on his chest. But hey, let's get shit hammered and wrap the wrap the Rolls Royce around a, a light pole and endanger everybody else's lives. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, most uh, people lose their endorsements for shit like that. He, his Nike deal was never in danger. That makes me kind of unhappy. Well, what gets me with him was like, there was a story of him. He also got uh, at least one kid out of the book. Yeah, well, he's still with her, so I'm not judging that. He's still not married yet. Yeah, yeah. put a ring on it. Although I think when he had the wreck, he had other women in his car. So <laughs> yeah, very, very, yeah, he, very he was, shocking. A he was, I, I, he, I'm he sure he was alone. sharing the gospel with him. So but, he, he was not alone when he got shit hammered and wrapped his car around the pole. And what got me on him even before that was I, there, there was a story of him telling a fan who wanted to sign one of those you know fake belts people can buy. Right. Um, that he's like, well, I worked hard to get this belt. I'm not signing the belt that you just buy at the store, which is. I mean, who do you think pays for your salary? Is people buying that stupid UFC crap like a right. fake belt or something? Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like the dude was claiming, hey, I won this belt. He was just wanted the souvenir and wanted John Jones to sign it and acting all like that. Just When my out. nephews were six and seven years old, that was when uh, The Rock and Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin were trading the WWE title back and forth. I, I And they loved to play wrestling. I bought them each a championship belt. You know what? I guarantee you that if I took them to a WWE event and could get an audience with The Rock or Stone Cold, either one of them or both of them would have signed those belts. Well, and that's why people love yeah. someone like Vanderlei Silva. That's a word. She's like, shut up and sign. Yeah. <laughs> but someone like Vanderlei Silva's always, you know, stopping for the fans and signing stuff and talking about how much they love the fans. And, you know, I understand, you know, people want a private life and stuff, but, you know, with Jones, it was, you know, at a UFC event, he wasn't signing things. And, I think, yeah. Well, that could also play into that. Remember also, don't forget, Jones's brothers are NFL players. Yeah. And I think part of that hatred of the media and disliking of that is tying to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, would, would his brother refuse to sign somebody else's NFL jersey that they bought online and say, oh, you didn't earn that? No, but he would have refused to sign it. Think so? Yeah. Well, when Jones was refusing to sign it, was that, you know, where the fighters were sitting at the table yeah, supposed which, to be signing stuff? I'm sure when, da well, Dana's also called him a sanctimonious diva. Oh, has he? That's, I don't think he's the word sanctimonious, but he's certainly using diva. Yeah. Uh, a, a little diva. Yeah, I was the one that added saying. Actually, he's a very large diva. <laughs> oh, Dana's fatter. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Dana's called him a little diva. <laughs> so I, I gotta say, being called a diva by Dana White seems like being called ugly by a warthog. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, they were talking about the UFC 151 thing. It's like there's a little diva there, you know, being treated like a piece of meat. Go talk about his. His uh, reaction, uh, Jones's reaction to it, it's like, well, it's because it's except it. This is where I think the difference is that prior to this, if a fighter had to pull out, everybody would step up and they would take on the fight, and the other fighter would go, "Cool, that's great, I don't right. mind." Now it's, yeah. I mean, frankly, I I, I think Kyle, I, 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 I have the advantage. You've been trained for six, eight weeks. It doesn't matter if it's a solid. Well, yeah, it yeah. does matter. Trained for like a week or two, or no. you might be hurt. I, I disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, it was such short notice. Kyle Sonnen wouldn't have even had a chance to squeeze his back knee. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I had time to get off the cycle. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not really harshly judging not taking a fight on a short notice. I mean, fighting, you know, different fights. You know, fighting a wrestler is well different. I mean. Henderson, although he's a elite wrestler, doesn't really use it anymore. You're looking for that one power punch most of the time with him. While Charles Sonnen's going to take you down and put you on your back, 
you're training for eight weeks on two very different things coming at you, and all kinds of fights are like that. Most of the fighters who take things at short notice, you got someone like Chris Lieben, who, you know, I saw him take a couple fights on like two weeks apart. Oh, yeah. But mid-level fighters where it's not like they're giving up and if they lose, they're losing their Gatorade endorsement or something. They also just, need the money. Yeah, exactly. You need the money. That's no, one I area where I really respect the hell out of Tito Ortiz, although I don't like him. It's that he never refused a fight. You know, uh, uh, he refused. Didn't he refused to fight uh, Liddell? Liddell for years. Really? Yeah. Well, he because he knew Liddell would knock his ass out. <laughs> but that's one thing. Trust. Well, you know, the Tito, Tito. You know, at least in the last few years of his career. Would pick up fights at the last minute. Well, uh, I, you can't refuse a fight when you're 0 6. You take what you get. Did you guys, you guys hear Matt Mitrione's takedown that pissed off Tito Ortiz so bad? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. he, 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 there, there was some kind of a fan fest, and uh, Mitrione said that, you know, uh, Tito Ortiz had to back out, and Jenna, or- Jenna James will be fighting in his place. <laughs> he says, uh, I, 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 she's, she's great on her back, and she almost never chokes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think that's a good place to be dead. Uh, we'll hopefully do this again. We'll do uh, probably do maybe monthly and do a review of pay-per-views or events that occur every month. And that's it. Y'all have a great one.